This is AA Beyond Belief, episode 126. In this episode, Angela and I discuss step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, but feel free to put it in your own words. This will be the first of two parts for this step. We'll cover the other half as we go through step five. In the meantime, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions about the step, please email them to us at john at aabeyondbelief.org, and we'll respond to your emails on that episode. Without further ado, Angela and I talking about step four. Okay, Angela, we're here to, today to talk about step four. How you doing? I'm good. I think I'm going to let you kind of lead the way. Uh, this is a, this is quite a this is quite a step, and um, you know I've talked about it before on another podcast, and I would really welcome your perspective, probably more than my own. Um, so why don't you just kind of go into it a little bit, if you would, Angela, you know, what, what you think this step entails and, and basically how you would work it and what you do with people that you work with today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the, there's so much. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I think um, that starting with uh, some of the things that I, I hear about step four is that, you know, it's about ego deflation or that, you know, it's about humiliation. Um, and, um, and for, I think in initially, you know, from what I understand, some of that was true for the ego deflation part, um, because of the people that, you know, were in AA at the time, they, they kind of needed that. Um, but, uh, for nowadays and particularly for women, um, that's really not usually what we need. Um, that, you know, I look at it more as a, a systematic way of, of understanding, you know, um, my psyche, the, the way I think about things and why I think about them or to, you know, look over the stories that I have going in my head. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the um, principles are supposed to be self-examination, personal honesty and, um, and self-acceptance. And, and I do think that that's, you know, that's what you get out of it. Um, but there's a lot more. Um, so, um, and I'll talk about what, what I've done, um, my initial, um, fourth step and then kind of how I do it now. Um, and then there's, there might be some fifth, sixth and seventh intermingled into it because it's hard for me to, to take all of those apart, um, because it all goes together for, you know, the work, at least the way that I understand it and do it. Um, but one of the, the things that um, I was thinking of when we were talking about doing this one is um, I was looking at Joe's book and one of the things that he wrote down or he, was a quote from Robert Frost um, and he had it with one of his musings on um, the fourth step. But um, Robert Frost said, uh, don't ever take a fence down until you know why it was put up. And, uh, and that's what I think about with doing the fourth step and um, the work that comes after it is um, trying to understand, you know, what those fences are, what are these coping mechanisms or character defects um, that I've developed, you know, um, first identifying them and then understanding why 
um, they've been there. Why do I need them or did I need them? And, um, you know, what purpose were they serving? And then I, you know, in, in six and seven, figure out what I can do differently. Um, I like that concept of the coping mechanisms. Um, that's something I never thought about until just this last year about thinking about um, character defects as coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like that because, uh, again, you know, I, I don't think that uh, most of the things that come up under character defects are bad. They can be used in, in negative ways. But, um, but yeah, you know, like manipulation, you know, it, it's definitely a, considered negative in most circumstances. But, you know, manipulation helped me get things done. So it was useful to me at different times in my life. Um, so I don't think of it as, you know, anymore as necessarily bad. Um, I just have to consider if I find myself going to that, you know, why am I going to that? And is there a, a healthier way to handle the situation and, and a better resource or a newer you know, tool to help me get through whatever it is that I'm reaching for manipulation to handle. So, um, and, you know, and I, that's how I, I, you know, think of my alcoholism too. I don't think of it as that, you know, thing hiding in the corner waiting to get me, you know, it's part of who I am. And, um, and it helped me uh, or it attempted to help me through different parts of my life um, to cope with things. And, um, and it's still there. And, and if I ever needed it, it'd pop back in, but, you know, to acknowledge that it's just part of me and not an evil part of me um, helps with the way that I think about things. And I, I function in the world. And then that way I'm not, I'm not fear driven to do the step work or to, you know, stay sober. Um, it's something that I do because I just, you know, now want to improve my life. So I like that. Anyway. too. I like that too. Um, that, that makes total sense. I, I think that um, when I, when I was going through the program originally, I was thinking in terms that I have to tear myself down to build myself up. And that's, that's not really necessary. You can just start, you can just start building yourself up from wherever you are. You don't have to break yourself down any further. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I think in the secular guide or the alternative steps, the secular guide, um, one of the things I was reading is they said, uh, we examine what we actually think and the consequences of our thoughts. We examine what we actually feel and the price we pay for the feelings. But before we examine all these things, we need to identify them. And, uh, and I, I liked that um, as a way to look at it rather than, you know, I need to write down all this crap, you know, from my life, my childhood, my drinking, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, live through it again. And that was one of the things that one of my sponsors had um had emphasized to me was that, you know, writing this stuff down, is, you know, we're not doing it to try to relive the, the past. We're, we're trying to do it so that we can reach a better understanding of, you know, um, of the stories that we tell ourselves about the past or the meaning that we've created um, to different situations and um, that we've encountered with other people. And then that way, you know, we can think of them differently and, and, um, and move on. So, yeah, so that's uh, some of the stuff that, it, you know, when I first started thinking about how to talk about this came to mind. Um, you know, my first, uh, fourth step, um, let's see. Um, I recall, uh, let's see. I, I was probably, do I have the date on here? I think I was in, um, probably four months in to sobriety before I got to the fourth step. 
Um, and, uh, and I liked the idea of it from the get go, um, because, you know, I knew that my brain was, was crazy and I wanted to get stuff out. Um, but there were a few items that I was concerned about, you know, those things that automatically, you know, triggered a sense of shame if they even popped into my head. Um, but for the most part, you know, I was, I was excited about the process. Um, and I, uh, needed to get the perfect notebook. That was very important to me. Um, it had to be exactly the right size, shape, <laughs> college ruled. It had to be a nice color. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to, you know, open it up if it didn't have a cool design on it or something. <laughs> I, I'm serious. And, um, and it needed to have the elastic cord around it, you know, so that um, so that it, it didn't like fly open, you know, at some point and people saw all my secrets, you know, which of course, you know, is not likely to happen. But these are the things that my brain did, you know, when trying to get ready to do the fourth step. So um, there probably was a little bit of, you know, fear and, and procrastination in there because I needed to make sure everything was perfect. I had to have colored pens. Oh, wow. Um, then, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I was uh, yeah, and and I've talked to other women about this before, and they're like, oh yeah, I definitely did that too. Got got the ruler, and and I went so far as that I I did lines in my you know <laughs> uh, with the ruler all the way till the last ten pages of the notebook. Oh wow! So before I even started, <laughs> I wrote them out into columns. Yeah, except the last ten pages. So you know, I, I'm thinking that had something to do with our. Um, <laughs> are um, being superior and inferior at the same time. So, you know, I felt inferior enough that I was going to have to use this entire notebook, but not the last 10 pages because I'm not that bad, you know? Yeah. Um, I usually joke about it as um, I, I consider that, you know, if there was a periodic table of character defects, there'd be Angelinia in there. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I had, you know, it, obviously a little bit neurotic. Um, and, uh, and that, that hasn't completely left me, but you know, I'm, I'm much better about it now. So, um, <laughs> one of the, the girls, my partner has two girls that, that I've helped raise. And, um, the 18 year old had a friend over the other day and we were joking about stuff and she, have you seen the show atypical? Uh -huh, I have not. It's, mm -hmm. Okay, it's on Netflix, and it's about um, a um, young man who's on the autism spectrum and his family and, and stuff. And so she told her friend that uh, described us uh, for um, as uh, as being, you know, like the show Atypical, except we're all the main character. Oh. And, <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of how our, our family is. We're a bunch of, of weirdos, but, you know, but we work with it. So, um yeah, so I, I did that. Um, for that first one, my sponsor had five columns instead of four. And so, so yeah, so what she did was we had the, um, the who or what um, part, uh, the first column, and then the why, um, which is the second column. And then she had a column called um, puke on paper. Oh. And uh, yeah, and that was basically to for me to write down everything about whatever, you know, it was on that subject, um, just to get it all out, you know, every story in my head that, you know, that I was thinking about with that um, subject. So were you looking at resentments at that point? Yeah, we, we were starting with resentments. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so just writing the whole story on it. And then the what it affects was the next column. And then my part was was the last column. And um, 
And so for resentments, let's see, we had. Tell me uh, this: When you first got were getting going in this, did you did you have a problem with that word resentment? Um, I I understood basically what it meant, just you know, or at least what I understood it meant was angry at. That's what I thought. At. That's what and, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah, I didn't understand until later that it's like the recurring. Yeah, it's just refeeling something is all it is. It's refeeling some past event. Um, and having the emotions today that you, that you, that you would have had at the time. And, and it is kind of an interesting phenomenon because, um, you know, I never realized I was carrying these things, but they do kind of take on a life of their own. And as I, as you put it, it's like the story you tell about yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, and so, yeah. Um, so I look at it differently now, but yeah, back then it, it was just like, who are you mad at? Um, and in fact, like one of the different um, formats. Um, so I've done the, the inventory with, you know, my first sponsor in, in a full form. Um, and then I, I attended a couple of workshops um, where um, doing the fourth step was part of it. Um, there's one that we have in this area called uh, one of the districts puts it on. They call it when chocolate doesn't work anymore. And it's on um, dealing with emotions and, and sobriety. Um, and um, and so one of the formats they had was just uh, like who mad at, why angry, uh, my, yeah, my injustices and then my part. Um, so yeah, so that was one. Um, another one is just the, I resent, uh, the second column is because, um, third column is affects my, and then my part. Um, and then let's see, um, some of the relationship inventories, um, that I've seen are like, the columns are who did I hurt? What did I do? What part of self was affected? And what was the exact nature of my wrong? Um, and um, let's see, another one was just the, the name um, of the person, what happened or the story? Um, where was I selfish, you know, self-seeking or dishonest? And what would I like to have done differently? Or how would I like to respond? Um, and then the, the fear inventory is a little bit different as well. So, so, you know, um, let's see, what were the first, the first ones that I think the big book talks about for inventories is, um, fear, uh, resentment inventory, and then sex conduct inventory. And, um, yeah. And so, so those are, those are kind of the ones, but the fear one was more of what my theory is when I first remembered having it or the story I tell myself about that. Um, and then an affirmation, um, you know, how would I like to think about that? Or, you know, if I were advising somebody else and they were sharing that they had this fear, how, how would I like them to, you know, um, think about it? What do I see or, you know, you know, positive type of attribute to help, help balance that out. So, so those are some of the formats um, you can find a, a ton of. Yeah. And you know that's that's something that's that's nice to know too because when I um, I was um, obsessed about doing it just the right way I wanted to do it just like everyone else did and I had this big book and that's what I was wanting to do and but I but I walked around to um, different people at my group and I asked them you know how they did the first the fourth step and you know I got a different answer from almost everybody. Uh, so, you know, you, you find your own way, but the it, how I think the mechanics of how it's done is less important than the introspection and, and what you get from that, I think. Right, right, definitely. Um, so let's see. We started with 
Yeah, with the resentments. Um, and I think I started with family stuff. Um, the other thing that uh, that she talked about was um, principles and institutions um, as part of the resentment. And, um, and I liked that because I was already um, pissed at financial aid and student loan stuff. So, you know, that, that worked pretty well. Um, and, um, and so some of the things I thought I would list principles and institutions that, uh, that I came up with at, I think one of the workshops, um, because it's a little abstract if you're just starting this, but um, the shoulds, is one of the things, you know, um, anything that, that says I should, um, old ideas, um, let's see, leave it to beaver families. Um, I wrote on respect your elders, uh, children should be seen and not heard. I grew up Um, actually. Yeah. Diet mores in society, (laughs) marriage, uh, the healthcare system, uh, definitely you can't get sober without God. Um, race, education, um, middle-class idealism, holidays I wrote on, um, because it turns out holidays are, are, you know, kind of a big deal for me as far as emotions and things um, growing up in a dysfunctional family. Um, Let's see. uh, I was often told to pay attention or get my head out of the clouds. Um, The drink like a lady stuff, um, the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Wow, that's really smart. I never really, I never even considered that. But these are basically things that you've been taught about how this is what either society or your parents place on place on us as our roles in the world, how we should be. Yeah, yeah. My stepdad used to say, if you if it don't bleed, it don't hurt. Um, and uh, you can never be too rich or too thin, um, you know. And then um, one of uh, one that I wrote down um, and shared with people was the never turn down an AA. Wow, request. wow, that's so right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so for that one, um, how I wrote it down is um, uh, we had the columns I resent. Um, the next column was because the next column was affects my, and then the last part was my part. And so I put, I resent, uh, the, the idea of never turn down an AA request, um, because sometimes I don't have time or, um, I feel like no one else is doing it. So why do I have to? Um, and then I put that it affects, um, my, um, my security that I feel like if I don't do that, that, you know, I'll be rejected, um, in my AA community. Um, it affects my ambition because sometimes I have other things that I really need to do, you know, to make money and stuff. Um, it can sometimes affect my personal relationships because if I'm, you know, feel like I have to take every AA request, then I might be neglecting, um, family or a partner. Um, and, um, and so then my part was that, you know, I'd be, you know, dishonest. So I'd either lie as to why I didn't want to do it, give excuses. Um, I, you know, um, sometimes was self-seeking that I just, you know, didn't want to do it um, and uh, that I wasn't honoring my boundaries. That's really a healthy thing to do. So when you when you did that, like if you, you looked at something like some sort of a concept like that one, for example, did you look at specific instances where... Um, you felt like you had to do something in AA because of this, what you've been told. Did you look at that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't always write them down um, for, for this one, um, but in, in different 
times, I, you know, I've had to. So there was definitely experiences as to why that was coming up for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, but just even writing that out to, to know that, you know, that is something that is um, affecting my sobriety. It's affecting, you know, it's taking up space in my brain, as they say, um, um, without paying rent. And, um, and so being able to take that apart and seeing, you know, what, you know, and then I would look at that. So what, what are my choices now that I know my part, if I were to take it through the rest of the steps, I, I would look at, um, you know, what, what, uh, why do I believe that, you know, and then, um, what can I do instead? And for me, it was, it was boundary setting and being able to be clear. And then, um, you know, my sponsor said, so what are some things that you can do if someone asks you, you know, to do something and you're not sure at that moment. Um, and I, and so she taught me, um, which seems silly that you have to teach an, an adult these things, but you know, that I could say things like, I don't know, or let me get back to you on that. Or I don't think that would work for me. And, uh, you know, just things like that to, um, to either buy some time so that I can really think about it um, or, you know, just be able to, to say that, you know, I don't think that would work for me. And that was hard for me. And, you know, as I went through different steps, I started to understand why. Um, There's a lot of stuff that I had of that I, I needed to do these things in order to be accepted and uh, for people to like me and to be doing it right. There was a lot, as we've talked before about that, you know, of perfectionism, which I, you know, didn't realize for a while that I had because I didn't do things perfectly. But there's a part of my brain that is, is very picky about that kind of stuff and likes to point out and, and be critical. And so, you know, if I turn that down, then, you know, then I wasn't being perfect. I wasn't doing the program right. And, uh, and therefore, I would, of course, go out and drink and die. So, <laughs> which is is how it it always works you know if you don't do something right or something within aa then you go out and drink and die and uh, yeah very dramatic so um so yeah so that was that's you know how i worked you know one of the principles in in institution type of things um through through that part um but um yeah, those are those are the basic uh, things for you know resentments as you're writing down either who, what, you know, and then why, um, and then depending on you know where you're at. I sometimes do the puke on paper for people that I'm starting to work with, depending on um, you know if they have any experience with AA um, at all. Um, if they don't, then it's really helpful to do that because sometimes they they may not. Um, have experience in in counseling or anything either and so this what is, is really, that exactly you know, the puke on paper getting, just just writing down the entire story of, of everything that you you know think about that so if it's you know you're you're angry at um yeah at your mom or something from your childhood you write down every instance that you can think of that you know it's holding up space in your brain you know um and then, yeah, and so it's more of a narrative, more of a story type thing rather than just the facts. So it, when I've done other inventories or how I, I do them now, usually when I'm um, doing them for myself is is a kind of like a who, what, why type of a thing. Very much just the facts. I, I limit myself to the 
the length of the story that I can tell, um, because sometimes I can get caught up in that even more now. You know, I know that about myself. But in the beginning, getting all of the stuff out is is important so that you can see it more. more because ultimately, more what clearly. we're doing here, I guess, is we're. <clears throat> I mean, the the work is kind of going on in our brain, and the pen and the paper is just like a tool to to for us to kind of think things out, and then we're creating an outline basically that we're going to use when we when we go to go into step five and it becomes a conversation so you might just have a, a list of these things but when you go into your step five with this it might just very well turn into a conversation and these are your these are your notes basically yeah, yeah. yeah definitely and yeah I, I think it's you know we're creating a, a system to um, work through the the you know psychic mess in our, our brains um, and sort it out so that we can understand. So it. when you were um, when you were writing through your resentments, did you ever have like times where you just couldn't do it? There was something that was blocking you. Oh yeah, definitely. And so you know, if I, I were to show you know on a screen my my first uh, notebook that I have here. Um, some of the things that I did uh, with that was sometimes I would turn the page sideways. And so I would go totally against, you know, the lines and, um, and, and right there. Sometimes I would start to write with my left hand just a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very difficult, but, but, you know, like we said before in, in the writing, um, it's slowing things down. And so when you try to write with your non-dominant hand, that really slows things down. And so sometimes doing that, you know, helps, um, helps you think more clearly, or you can come to like one specific idea and then you can switch over and start, start writing on that. So writing on, uh, with my other hand, uh, sometimes I would do a different page and go diagonally or upside down, you know, from something. So something that would kind of jar, you know, my sight as to what was happening and, and take away some of that, uh, I guess, blindness that was coming from just looking at all these lines and, uh, and writing that I had before. So, so with me, I think I took a couple of runs at it. And I think that the first few attempts, I wasn't really looking at things objectively. And I was feeling a lot of shame. And um, it was depressing me. And so I, I, and I think I did, I probably did the right thing and it was just natural just to walk away and not do it, I guess. And finally, when I was able to get through it all and I did it pretty much in one sitting, I really looked at it in an objective way. I, um, I wasn't judge, judging myself or even the people I resented. I just put, like you said, I put down the facts, you know, and, and, and it was easier that way. Um, and I was, and I was basically learning about myself, you know, because, um, as you go through it, you do begin to see, recognize patterns, I think, um, of behaviors. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and sometimes, you know, that's, that's what it takes stepping away from it and, and then coming back to it. And so that's why sometimes it takes people, you know, a few months to do it. And sometimes it takes them, you know, a year or more. Um, one of the things why, you know, the four or five, six and seven bleed together for me is that um, they usually when I'm starting with someone on on uh, this um, fourth step is I'm um, is I, you know, give them the assignment to 
to write on it and to, you know, um, do just a, a couple of people, possibly easy ones, you know, like a boss or, you know, something that's not super emotionally loaded, uh, you know, the neighbor, whatever. Um, and, um, and then we come back and kind of do a fifth step just on, you know, those um, few so that um, the person has the feedback on if they're going in the right direction. And so if it seems like, you know, they might be stuck in the overthinking or they might be dwelling in the negative of, you know, their experience or getting caught in the story. And so getting depressed, um, then we can kind of transition them to, you know, no, this is kind of what we're looking for here. And you know, when we're looking at, you know, our part of it, we're, we're looking at, you know, where we, you know, not, you know, the horrible thing or, or to criticize ourselves necessarily. We're looking at, you know, the patterns we have of where we were either ignoring something or rationalizing or justifying, you know, and not just, yeah, not just our behavior, but the whole thing. Cause sometimes it's situations that, you know, and it's, you know, somebody else's behavior that we're justifying or pretending or whatever. And that's our part of it is that, you know, yeah, that's right. It's not a matter of something of being right or wrong, necessarily, in my opinion, like when I when I finally got through this, I was like, okay, who's the person involved? What was the event? What happened? And my part of it was basically, how did this make me feel? How did it impact me? What did it affect? And you know, for me, a lot of it was um, a sense of security. I, I, I was, I was insecure. I was afraid. You know, things like that. Um, so yeah, and 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 you know, because and yeah, I, I I have done things that that were wrong and have hurt people um, as a result of this. But um, you know, I could even look at those things in a way that was not so judgmental, but understanding what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And how I look at it now is it uh, for the my part is, you know, what is the story that I have created from that? So again, it comes to another story. So after this experience, you know, what is the meaning that I created um, from, you know, whatever I wrote down? So um, so like I have stuff from my childhood, my stepdad um, was was very um, psychologically abusive and, and, uh, you know, uh, demeaning and stuff. And so he would do things like, um, teach me how to play chess, um, when I was in grade school, um, but then punish me if I won. And oh so, yeah. And so what I created, you know, from that, so, you know, my part of course is, you know, I was a child, so I, I didn't have a part in, you know, the actual situation. Um, but what I would look at for, you know, that section was what is the story I created from that situation? And, and it was that, um, that I can't show how smart I am, that I would be punished or unloved if people knew that I was intelligent. And so that's what I was getting from, you know, that specific um uh fourth step um thing going through. that is so helpful for people too because you know what i i hear a distorted um i guess a distorted concept of this my part thing and especially when people are looking at events that happened in their childhood they i hear this that people say their sponsor is basically forcing them to look at something that they did that could have somehow brought this on that they had a that they had an equal part somehow 
and what was going on. And that, and in my opinion, that's not the spirit of this. This, this, that's not, that's not at all, especially when you're looking at things that happened as a child. And if you instead look at how did this impact me? What's the story I began to tell myself about this through the, throughout my life? Yeah. What is the meaning that I created from this? And, um, and so, and, and that carries on into our drinking and into our adult life. And we usually don't recognize that that's where it's coming from. And so that's, you know, why I, I find a fourth step or actually four through, through seven particularly so valuable to me is that it gives me a way to, um, to systematically do, you know, self-introspection without being, um, being so negative or, or hard on myself. So, you know, the, the critic, the critic gets to play a little bit of a part of pointing out different things, you know, which it likes to do. And so, you know, I, I let it be helpful once in a while. Um, but um, for the most part, you know, it, it can't take over the, the entire process. And, and so I get to look at it and, and have some compassion for myself um, or whatever the situation is, you know, again, with stuff from childhood and family, you know, I don't um, live in a space where I, I hate my, my family, um, you know, because of, of the childhood that I had. Um, I, I understand that my parents did the best that they could. And, and even with my stepdad, who really did a lot of horrible things to me, you know, I, I know that he, you know, had a, a rough uh, time of it. It doesn't excuse his behavior all but um getting some perspective on all of the, all of the stuff you know makes it um makes it um easier you know I, I don't have to hold on to the anger um or the frustration or the the old stories about right um, you know this pain truly is generational and, and i realized that too when i was looking at my mother and how she treated me. And I had, and she was like, um, also, um, oh, I don't know. She would put me down a lot, you know, and, and, and get, and I got a lot of negative messages from her. Well, she was mentally ill too. And then I look back at how she grew up, you know, and my grandfather and the problems that he had and the experiences that she had growing up as a little girl. And it gave me some understanding of why she behaved the way that she did. But, you know, I couldn't really trace it back further than my grandfather. But could you imagine going back over the generations, the dysfunctionality that you could find going back to maybe colonial times? Right. No doubt. No doubt. Well, and I, and I think that sometimes it could be that, you know, that somebody's, you know, a family's going along okay, and then there's something that happens, an event that, that changes. Right. Something happens. Some, some event some event, you're absolutely right. And but I thought too that okay, it stops here with me, too. You know, and and and, and it can. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what part of this work is doing is like okay, this is why, this is why I, I you know, it took me a while to speak up in you know certain situations and share that you know that I have ideas or that I you know that I'm you know, somewhat intelligent because um, of a fear of rejection or that, you know, I would somehow be punished. So if I, you know, pretend in my jobs and places that, you know, that I'm not as smart or I don't see the systems happening or whatever it is, then I'll, I'll be okay. Um, but I, you know, was suffering inside and, and then, you know, how do I relieve the suffering? Well, you know, through some sort of addiction generally. 
And so by being able to look at these things, you know, that's the point is that, okay, that's there. And every once in a while, somebody's going to, uh, you know, trigger my, my fear that, you know, of that I showed them I was smart and they don't like me now, you know, so how am I going to handle that now? And um, as I go through, you know, with six and seven, I, I have some options. So along that. these lines, you know, we did, ha- we had that reader write in and she asked the question. She said that she was sexually abused as a child. She said, so what's my part? And how does she get, how does she get through that? Right. Yeah. She didn't have a part. She was a child. There, there is no part in that. Um, so I, I think um, when going through the fourth step and in, in writing about those things, either um, one, you know, if you have a therapist, I would I would try to concentrate most of those um, with your therapist because, yeah, because, you know, um, other members of AA are, are generally not therapists. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's, you know, I highly recommend that. And if, you know, there's anybody listening out there that um, can't afford a therapist or doesn't, you know, is unsure of how to, um, to locate those resources, then, you know, be sure to email us and, um, and either John or I can, can point you in, in a direction and help you find some resources for that. Because it's, it's true to, for uh, an awful lot of us, you know, male and female, we have these things. And, and again, I think I've shared before that, um, that men, um, after I share my story, will often come up and, and I might be the first person that they've ever actually shared that with, even if they've been in sobriety for a while. Um, you know, they may not have felt comfortable sharing it with their sponsor for whatever reason. Um, so I, I, I do spend you know some time looking for resources, particularly um, for low-income people, uh, to be able to get counseling for this, because it, it really is something that needs to be looked at with a professional. Um, but given that, you know, as you're going through, it's, it's, I think it's okay if, if, you know, for those that sponsor um, to hear that, because part of, you know, the fifth step is, is just, um, you know, recognizing these people and witnessing their pain, their suffering, their, you know, whatever is going on. And, and, you know, and that's healing, uh, part of healing as well as just having somebody witness that, you know, have you say, yeah, this happened to me, you know, and, and having an understanding person saying, yeah, that, that sucks <laughs> that that happened to you. And you don't have a, a fault in that you were a child, you know? And so, um, so yeah, so that's how I, I generally. Handle, you yeah. Know. That's smart. And, and, you know, there are resources um, when I was, cause you know, most, most of us are, are a lot of us anyway, I was anyway, I guess you should stick with me. I, I was broke. I didn't have money. I didn't have resources. So, um, but there was a place here that would charge on a sliding scale. And I met with a therapist who was a master level therapist and I was able to talk to him about things. And that was my first experience with any sort of uh, therapy and it was really, really helpful because he was able to help me, I guess, walk through some some things, you know, on my own and, and think about things differently. So it was very, very helpful. And there are resources like that available. Yeah, so. yeah. Depending on where you're at, if you're like near, near a university, a lot of them have, you know, training programs. So it might be that, you know, that you're with somebody who's a student, but, you know, they still have the most up-to-date information about, you know, all of the different stuff that we talk about. And so they're they're, you know, hopefully, because it's, you know, education, <laughs> going to have uh, more 
more ways to help uh, talk to you about it. Um, that's up to date, more scientific. That's why a lot of people, you know, do well with. So, do you think, Angela, that if somebody comes across like the like the the person who wrote into us, if they come across something like that, they should just kind of put that on a shelf, take it to a therapist? Yeah, definitely. Um, that that's what I always advise. Um, and, um, and the, you know, when we're going through this, we do the same, um, for anything with sexual relations, um, because a lot of us also have, have, um, rape or sexual assault or things like that in our stories. Um, and so, um, so having that in a whole different category, we won't deal with that. And then, you know, when it comes down to um, that part of the inventory, then we'll, we'll approach it differently as well. Um, but That's interesting, too, because, you know, um, you know, our the, the climate and, and just society has changed so much with the Me Too movement, um, that most, you know, I, I was not aware that so many women have had this experience, but almost every woman has had um, the experience of some sort of abuse or um, unwelcomed advance or just, um, yeah. So um, <laughs> much, much more common than anyone ever thought. Yeah. So those um, inventories um, tend to be longer <laughs> oftentimes that even if the person's been uh, monog- in a monogamous marriage, you know, for the, their, you know, adult life. And isn't it interesting too, Angela, when you look back at, Okay, like in the big book, they look at the sex part, and it was really written from Bill Wilson's point of view, where he's looking at affairs and things like that. Or trying not to. <laughs> I'm not having an affair or whatever, and, and not and not so much from the perspective of someone who had been harassed at work or um, forced into some activity, whatever you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely changed. But, you know, then again, you know, our whole views of addiction and science and stuff has changed. And so there are some things that, yeah, just need to be updated, um, which is why, you know, I, I do the the fourth step in the way that, that I do. Um, and, you know, um, again, with uh, one of the things that I was wanting to say about going to a counselor, um, particularly... Um, when you're doing this step and those things come up is it's also just good because I think um, for quite a few of us, um, we get into AA, you know, and, and uh, start to get sober and, um, and it, we really want to belong and we want to do it right. And, um, and so we can get sucked into all of the different dogma and things that are in AA. And so seeing a counselor, most of the, the therapists that I know, some of them really don't like AA. Most of them see where it has value and stuff, but they can give you some perspective on, you know, the work that you're doing um, in AA as well. And so that gives you some space um, to, to not, you know, take everything so literally or, um, it just gives you breathing room that, oh, okay, so, you know, I don't have to buy into all of the stuff that's going on in there. And um, and, I, and I think that's important. I've heard a couple of things just in the last couple of weeks um, 
with women in, in some of the traditional meetings that, that has made me sad um, on how they view, you know, their higher power or the process um, of going through inventory. And it, it seems much more critical. And, and I wish that they, you know, had that outside resource to give them perspective that, you know, the stuff we're learning in here are just tools, you know, they're, ways that other people have done things. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have to take all of them and and internalize everything we say and do in AA. So, yeah. So I wonder if we might want to make this a two-parter and and get and, and maybe go into on, on the next episode how we actually work through this. Um, some interest, there's some more interesting topics too, like, um, you know, the fear part of the inventory. Um, did you, do you do the separate fear inventory? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first did it with my first sponsor, um, she does some Ellen on stuff too. Um, and so it was like everything together. So I didn't do separate inventories. Um, I just did like all of it at once, um, which was a bit overwhelming. You know, it worked, um, for what, for what I needed at that time. Um, my, my current sponsor, um, I've been working with her for, um, Oh, I guess 10 years now. Um, and, uh, and she divided it up into, you know, the resentments, the fear, and then um, the, the sex inventory or relationship inventory and did three separate ones. And that was, that was super helpful. At that time, I really needed to have them divided up and, um, and I found it very useful. So, yeah. In uh, Jeffrey Munn's book, which the, the most recent one I've read, um, he's helped me with the fear, looking at the fear part. I always had a problem with that. I, I just listed my fears and asked myself why I had them and whatever, you know. But um, the way that he looks at it is he's looking at distorted core beliefs that, that you carry around. And then you and then the, re, the fear that results from that. And then and then he takes it another step, like developing a an alternative reality based belief. Right. Yeah, that's that's basically how I I do it as well. Well, yeah, that's so. more valuable than just saying I'm afraid of all these things. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, like, yeah, for for me, I look at something like you know, the, I'm afraid of spiders. The, that doesn't even matter. Does right. <laughs> no, actually, bears was on my my fear inventory, which bears, yeah, which was funny because I just had a you know somebody who. I sponsor somebody and then they sponsor somebody and then the person that that person then sponsors, uh, we went for lunch and, and she has a fear of bears too. And so it, it was kind of funny because um, I haven't met anybody else who, you know, really had such a big fear of bears that it would go on an inventory. Well, where you live, there actually are bears, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are bears. Too. I mean, they generally don't come to the city, but you know, there's always, there could be know, a bear somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, they're they're not that far away, and there's a lot of camping and hiking and stuff that goes around on around here. So it's not unreasonable to be afraid of bears. Um, but yeah, so I I have uh, on my inventory being eaten alive by bears, and so. Yeah. And so then I wrote down, you know, where I remember that coming from, you know, what it was about and that, you know, um, how I can understand that in a, in a different way. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that I put on it now is that, well, one, I don't have to go where the bears are. <laughs> you know? So and when I do go camping, I, I sleep in an, in an enclosed, you know, the car if I have to, you know, I do not do tents anymore. Um 
But, uh, but that, you know, also, you know, I could think of it as that if I were in a situation where I ran into a bear that, you know, that I would be part of, you know, the natural order of the universe, you know, the, the food chain and stuff, it would suck probably. Um, but, you know, um, that, yeah, I can be comforted that, you know, I'm, I'm part of the natural process of how things work. And, um, but yeah, so, so bears were on there, but the majority of the stuff on my fear inventory and, and I have it right here. So like I had stuff like, um, uh, that I'm unlovable, you know, yeah, that's the kind of thing I think yeah. that's really valuable. Yeah, yeah. Not good enough or that I'll never be in a stable relationship and yeah, yeah, I'm like, haha, prove that one wrong. Um, anyway, uh, being abandoned, um, fear of commitment. Uh, you know, some of these are interchangeable or they go together, but I did write them all out separately. Um, that uh, I'll never find meaningful work. Um, you know, just things like that were, were on my my fear. Absolutely, that 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 that's I think that that's the, those are the types of things that. I- I really should have been focusing on. I just didn't think about it because the big book just says, list your fears, ask yourself why you have them. And then they even tell you why you have them because um, <laughs> relying on self doesn't work. You have to have God. That's why it doesn't work. That's oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Any- <laughs> no wonder mine lasted so long. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think we should definitely do a second parter on this. What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah, definitely. And then we can go into fifth on that as well, because I, I think that's a good idea. That's a good idea. We can maybe go through like maybe sort of the mechanics of the fourth and how that works into the fifth. These steps are related. You're so right. It's really, you really can't disconnect them from four through yeah, seven. Yeah. Really. And, um, and when I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, four is so much. And then I'm like, well, fifth goes into to four. And then I'm like, well, all the stuff that you get from four and five go into six and seven. And, and, um, it's really one process, honestly, isn't it? It's just one process of, of, of learning introspection, learning, sharing with another person, relating with another person, and then making changes in your life. Exactly. And and we need, you know, other people to be able to help us do that. Because I know that when I did, you know, my fifth, that there were some things that I had on my part that, that weren't correct, you know, um, that I needed another person to say, hey, wait, you didn't have a part in that. Or wait, you did have a part in that. Because I think one of them was like, I said that my part was being friends with the bastard or something. And it's like, well, you know, maybe it's a little bit, you know, more than that. <laughs> so, so yeah, it turned out to be boundaries again, of course. Um, but um, yeah, having another person to, to witness, you know, um, what, what you've written down in, in your life and, and things is important. And then to help you be able to look at some ways that you can change that in six and seven. And, it is um, helpful. I, I think the benefit that I got from that of sharing it with another person and that person mo- mostly listened, which is what I needed and occasionally would share a little bit about himself. But I think what I really got from that was this understanding that I'm not unique. None, none of this is original with me. Yeah, but not but not unique and not in the negative way. So you know, I, I, I hear that in the rooms like, yeah, I'm not unique or you're not a you know snowflake or whatever, you know. Um, but it's it's more of that um, that I'm not alone, I guess. I'm not alone. Thing. There's nothing to be there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be um, to, 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 there's no fear in um, sharing this with someone else because they have likely experienced similar um, issues in their lives, uh, life as well. And I guess, I guess what it did for me is it kind of connected me with 
it, it got me out of just uh, uh, it connected me with the rest of the world as a human being. It helped me see myself just as a human being, as just a normal person who has had experiences in life like every other person has had. But yeah, but you're right. It's not in a negative way. It's not like yeah, you know. There's a lot of negative. Um, I should do like the inventory that you suggested, where you actually write down the the, the resentments of the little things that people tell you, because there's a lot of negative. A negative stuff that enters into our brains, even from the program that, that oh, we yeah. hear. Especially that, like I said, one of the the things that um, that got to me was I was at a women's meeting and um, a traditional one, and um, and a newer woman came in came in who had just relapsed, and um, she said that that you know she had been trying to get sober, um, but she had three kids and and worked and you know was leaving in a, a difficult relationship and that she couldn't make meetings and that she you know kept praying that you know she there you know God would give her a way to make meetings um, and then her kids got taken away and so that's God you know giving her a way to to make it to meetings and I just felt so sad for her that you know I this program you know gives you the opportunity to create a higher power or think of a higher power in a way that works for you but you know this woman has created a higher power that is you know pretty mean <laughs> you know how, how could you believe you know in something that that would do something like that but that's not unusual I hear things like that a lot. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I, you know, would love for her to be able to write on that, you know, why is it that, that, you know, that your higher power would do something like that to you that, you know, that there's probably a lot in there that, that could be uncovered that would, you know, make your life a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I hear things like that a lot and it, it, it makes me sad. So well, this was a good conversation. Well, okay, so we'll yeah. pick up on this um, next time. We can we can kind of fill in on step four and then go into step five, maybe next time. Yeah, and if people have questions, you know, there there's so much in this that there's probably some areas that we didn't cover. That that's a good idea. If you do have if you do have questions, please um, send us an email, uh, John at aabeyondbelief.org, and we will um, go through those. And that's another episode of AA Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you'd like to help out our site and podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, go over to iTunes and leave us a review, hopefully a favorable one. You can also help out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do this by setting up small recurring donations at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief or through PayPal at paypal.me slash aabeyondbelief. And you can always visit our site, aabeyondbelief.org, and click on the Donate button. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast.